0: Welcome to the Caged Vision Show, where each week we talk about one thing, putting your vision to work. So whether you're the CEO of a large company, maybe an executive within a large company, maybe you're a small company, maybe you are an entrepreneur that is just getting started. Each of you has a vision for where you want to go in the future. And we talk about how to get there, how to put that vision to work. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Caged Vision Podcast with Carrie Rome and
1: Lisa Beck.
0: And Lisa, 2019 is the year of experimenting and trying new things to make sure that we are bringing all things important to our caged vision listeners to unlock their caged vision.
1: Yes. <laughs> wow. That was different.
0: A little different. That's it okay. was a little
1: different, but we're striving to be different. We are. So.
0: And, and, and if you so if you've listened to anything we've said and and, cur- and that sort you said okay I'm going to do something different I'm going to unlock my cage vision and you've started you may find yourself in the middle
1: the messy middle
0: the messy middle because the middle is messy so after you start there's a whole there's a whole you know there's a whole bit of encouragement and and confidence and getting the idea down and on paper and going. But after you start, well,
1: it gets you're messy. You're going
0: to need in- continued encouragement and confidence. So what we have is a book called
1: The Messy Middle, appropriately enough.
0: Appropriately enough. And so we've taken some wonderful quotes and sections out of it. We're going to play the sections or and or read some of the sections. And then Lisa and I are going to talk about what that meant to us. I hope you love this episode. If you do and you want to see or hear more of this, let us know. All right, so here we go with the first part.
2: The thought of friction may make us bristle, but it's not synonymous with difficulty. The standard linguistic definition recognizes this. Friction is derived from the Latin word fricar, meaning to rub, and generally means a force that opposes relative motion between two objects. Rubbing in opposition to something instinctively sounds like an undesirable experience. A disagreement, a struggle, a fight. And so, over time, we've come to connote friction with negativity. But on the whole, rubbing things together creates, not destroys. Friction gives us heat and fire. It quite literally moves mountains. Rubbing two people together may cause arguments, but it also makes babies. Friction is a positive force in all walks of life precisely because... It's only when we're in opposition to something that we learn how to move forward.
0: Okay, Lisa, we're starting with friction. So when I heard this, and as you read this, you know, um, a lot of people shy away from friction. A- a- and when you when you start something, and you're, you know, you're you're launching the uh, part of accepting that the path that you that you that you started on that it may be a little bit different, sometimes it's hard to accept that. And I think this concept of embracing friction is pretty important.
1: Oh, I agree, because I think as groups learn to work together, I think friction sort of unlocks the group's potential because it, when you trust someone and you're able to voice an opinion and have a discussion which causes friction, You typically come up with a better answer and the group is stronger
0: because of it. Mm, Very good. Now, the key is and a takeaway here is how to do that without it turning into just a full scale argument.
1: You know, I think that when you have conversations, it's best to be candid and caring. Mm,
0: Very good. So did you just make that up on the fly? I did. Oh, that's good. Two wow. Cs, too. It's like like you thought of that before.
1: Nice. No, I didn't, which maybe I should have said yes, but no, there was no thought to that. Um, candid and Caring, which I obviously have read or seen somewhere before yeah. that it popped yeah. into my head again, it goes back to the trust within an organization. And so if groups have worked out problems and issues in the past and they've done it in a respectful way, mm-hmm. in other words, you, you name the problem, you don't name the person, right? Mm-hmm. It's the issue. It, it's not the employee.
0: So that's a great point. And, and the candid piece we get in trouble when we hint around things. Yes. And then people feel like that was a half truth. Yes. And would it, why didn't you say that? So if you're just, if you're not worried about hurting people's feelings, as long as they know that you're coming from a good place, which is your caring piece. Yes. Right? As long as those two are working together, then you can have that healthy conversation. But but avoid, don't avoid friction. Don't avoid um, tough conversations just because it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Find a way to embrace that.
1: There's another book that I would recommend to go with The Messy Middle, and it is called actually Crucial Conversations. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. It's a great book about really how to be candid and caring and address issues and problems in individually and in a group setting that... Works for the whole group, and Mm. it doesn't, you know, how we say, Well, we don't want to call somebody out or we don't want to throw somebody under the bus. This isn't it at all. It's, Hey, we've got an issue in this department, Mm. and we need to fix it. And we are all here to help fix it. So let's talk about
0: it. Mm, Very good. Very good. All right, we're going to go to the next clip, and this is about the journey. And if you're a leader and you are, um, You are guiding your team through this journey. Think about it as your team being on the journey in a bus with no windows. So here we go. The
2: middle of a venture is like a lengthy road trip without windows. It is psychologically torturous to travel without any sense of where you are along the way. No sense of progress or landmarks and without a sense for how many miles remain. Your concept of time becomes warped and impatience stews teams need to be reminded where they are and what progress they are making as a leader you are your team's window wow wow
0: okay so as a leader you are taking your team on a journey you've probably told them about the journey in fact the reason they're working alongside you right now is because you've convinced them that you are going on a journey that's worth traveling so here's the thing to remember here's what he's highlighting you know the journey. It's in your head. It's it's that caged vision that you unlocked. Your team doesn't have the visibility that you have. It is mission critical that you find a way to effectively share that vision. Give them windows to the journey because without those windows, like you said, it's a long, windy, don't know when I'm going to get there and people give up.
1: I love uh, how it goes on to talk about it's your job to be a storyteller because Mm -hmm. it's your job as you're leading this team on this windowless bus to describe the scenery that's going by. And what that is, is the history and how it relates to the future and how that relates to your vision. And so you have to paint that picture for them.
0: So, so good, Lisa. Well done. All right. The next one is my favorite. It talks about um, a bulk. Think of a bulky weightlifter. Okay, and and think of that, and uh, it kind of makes a, a a jab at the weightlifter to prove a point. And so here we go.
2: Just as weightlifters' bulging biceps make them great at lifting weights but terrible at scratching their own backs, larger companies tend to gain weight disproportionately and trip over themselves. I have come to call it corporate obesity. If you've worked at a heritage corporation you've probably witnessed the following phenomena. Discussions are more about who owns what and who reports to whom rather than how you're going to make something happen. Emails are more about who should solve problems than how to solve problems. Teams spend too much time figuring out how to circumvent other teams to get something done rather than getting everyone aligned. The BCC field gets too much action and emails typically end with passive-aggressive or sometimes just plain aggressive comments or condescending questions.
0: Okay, so Lisa, back to your point about being open and honest and caring and candid. Um, email is is probably one of those where we just get in our own way. Think of the bulky, right? Super muscular, but can't scratch their own back. And think about companies as they grow big, they just, he called it corporate obesity, which is a bit of a sensitive word, But it's so true. Organizations spend more time, and it seems the bigger they are, they spend more time talking and planning and emailing and talking about who should be doing what than actually doing the work.
1: Oh, I agree. And I think that he made a couple of great points like being passive aggressive or using the BCC field because you want somebody else to know where you're telling somebody else, but you don't – This is all just if everyone would work together as a team and quit trying to kingdom build within a company. Mm. I mean, this is about aligning everyone towards your vision. And if you don't align everyone towards your vision, then they each have their own version of the vision. And if you're out of alignment, then corporate obesity occurs.
0: Yeah, and you, you brought up the point in a term, um, kingdom building, and we've both heard that before. Think about it if you're a leader where um, you, you focus on sharing your vision. You focus on sh- uh, demonstrating the windows, show, making sure that the team always sees the vision, where we are, what's coming, versus one that's protective in kingdom building, over time, that is going to flush out. Corporate politics may win short-term with the kingdom builder, but over time, it's not going to work. Okay, so the next clip here is a, talks about vision. And so let me jump into that here.
2: Remind yourself that progress is vision paired with initiative. The hopelessness you're feeling is a common phase that precedes progress. We often feel the weakest just before our immune response kicks in.
1: Progress is vision paired with
0: initiative. I love that. So perfectly said. So perfectly said. When he talks about it, you feel the weakest right before your immune system builds in. I mean, there's so much of that where, again, let's recall the the book. The book is titled The Messy Metal. This is talking about once you start, okay, the things that you're going to experience as you go through it it's it, it's it's that it's that it, you don't don't feel like it's just you, and when I read this book i I've probably uh bookmarked this book and highlighted this book more than any other book. There's so many quotable things that that really just jump off the page for me, and maybe it's because I've been doing business for fourteen years now, and it seems like one big messy middle
2: <laughs> When Dave Stein, our very first engineer found a picture of an old 2007 strategy document for Behance. This one-page document from five years earlier outlined all of the things we planned to do and gulp the time frame in which we would accomplish our goals. He came into my office with it, laughing. Wow, are we off. While our mission to organize and empower the creative world had not changed, the initiatives we were planning, the order of operations, and the timing were all, indeed, laughable. I tried to remember what I was thinking five years ago. I was ambitious and passionate, but completely naive about a few things. How much the feedback we'd get would change our priorities, how much our vision would narrow as our business grew, and the effort required to execute any of these ideas. Nevertheless, the plan served us at the time. If nothing more, it helped us recruit new people and get aligned around a potential future.
0: So Lisa, that point right there where He didn't realize how much his vision would narrow as they grew. Now, that is probably something you would not expect to hear on the Caged Vision podcast. But what that means is focus. He's talking about we started, we launched. And you'll see a lot of companies that they start. And when they start then, once they have their start, their vision expands. And it's popcorn thoughts. And it's everything to everyone Those are the opposite of this type company is what he's referencing. He's talking about, you know, the more, yes, we had a business plan, but as the market told us and reacted to our business plan, the more focused we became to what the market said they wanted. And that's why they achieved, achieved the success that they did.
1: There are times, I think, that when you start broad, And companies don't listen to the market, and they don't adapt, and that also puts you in the messy middle because you don't know what it
0: is you're trying to achieve. Mm, Very good, yes, absolutely. So this is another one of my favorites. This is talking about measuring too many things.
1: Oh, I love this one. And this is
0: so true because in today's,
2: I mean, it seems like we
0: we do anything to measure anything, whether or not it should be measured at all. So here we go.
2: Avoid too many measures because the more numbers you're tracking – the less attention you pay to any of them. Some teams I've worked with, especially in large companies, have built large digital dashboards of dozens of metrics that become the focus of every executive meeting. The problem with reviewing so many measures at once is that the conversation and suggestions are split across all of them rather than focus on the few that matter most. Measures that are easier to move than others will naturally get more focus.
0: Measures that are easier to move, get more focused. Lisa, how many times have we seen that? Think about in in a project plan when dates move. It seems like there's this obvious big rock that we have to tackle. There's this huge decision we have to make. And we spend an hour talking about a date that's easy to move.
1: Well, and I think the other thing that we look at is people, for instance, uh, and I'm going to give a a banking example because it's an easy example, but we could also do it on any sort of sales team. People might look at units sold. Yeah. Right. If we're measuring units sold, but what we really should be measuring is profitability. Yes. Okay. Or revenue, because it doesn't matter if I sold a hundred units but I discounted them fifty percent to sell them. Then we look at the revenue made, and everybody goes, "Well, the revenue's down." Oh, but we sold a hundred units, mm. and our goal was to sell a hundred units. So I think he's correct in that you've got to choose the metrics that matter the most. What is it? Measure that matters. There's another measure book. Measure what matters. Measure yeah. what matters, yeah. um, and and ignore some of these other things that we want to we want to measure. 5,000 things, yeah. no.
0: And just because you can measure anything doesn't mean you should.
1: Well, it doesn't mean you need to put it into some sort of management dashboard That because you're going to get lost in the numbers. Yeah,
0: and when I go, when we go out and we talk to um, executives and we show them addicts, I and mean, I've had... Executive teams come and say, Well, we have this, and here's our dashboard, and it's got bells and whistles and numbers zipping by. And, and the executive says, That's not what I want. I want to, I want to measure the, the three things that are going to drive the key results they are going to help us achieve our objective. That's what I want to measure. All right, last one. This is my favorite, maybe a bit controversial, but we'll listen to it in context.
2: Oh, what's a little controversy? Uh, all right, here we go. Had I subscribed to the just say no mantra everyone else was focused on, I would have missed out on some of my most important opportunities. Consider whether or not an opportunity is aligned with your genuine interests. A great litmus test for whether you should do something is if it distracts you. Something that doesn't distract you from everything else in your life is unlikely to ever get sufficient attention from others, never mind the attention it deserves from you. Distraction is a form of natural selection.
0: Distraction is a form of natural selection. So I wrote this on LinkedIn and it got, it got some comments. But here's, when I first thought of that, I immediately went to someone that can't get focused and they're always distracted. And of course, I thought about cell phones and uh, social media. Um, but I thought about if you cannot control that, if, you can, if you're always distracted and you can get work done, you will fall behind and you will fail but that's not what he meant.
1: No, that's not what he meant. That's not
0: what he meant. What he said is if it distracts you, and I, I think I cut it off too early, but if he just if it distracts you and you can't let it go, go with it.
1: Because you're going to put the most energy into something that you have a commitment to. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. That is so good. This book is called The Messy Middle and is written by Scott. Belsky? Scott Belsky. It's a fabulous book. So many quotes in it. The only, the one thing about this book that I would say just get um, sort of a little accustomed to is that he doesn't have chapters. And so it's not broken down by chapters. And so it's, a, it's just sort it's of broken a,
1: down by headings. Headings. Though.
0: And so, yeah. But it is a fabulous book. Um, if you haven't started, you're, if, you, if you're, you're still working on unlocking your caged vision, um, this is still a great read. If you're working for a company, you're experiencing this right now. Fabulous book. We hope you like this format. And if you do, let us know. We'll bring more like that. And we hope you found it helpful and useful. And, of course, if you want more uh, continued confidence and encouragement, keep listening. If you want it faster, schedule a call. Thanks.